Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Grassroots Chronicles. I am your co-host, Carlos Muletaller, a.k.a. Mr. Grassroots, and along with me tonight is Caleb Stokes, a.k.a. Mr. Cons. Today, we'll be talking about the four fundamental pillars needed to have a successful grassroots campaign. But before we go into it, I want to recognize our producer and person behind the scenes, Jonathan Torres with the Yard Sign Network. Caleb, let's dive right in. Uh, the four pillars are message, messenger, organization, and financial support. These things are needed and should give you a pretty good, um, odd, better your odds in becoming a, a successful in, in, the, in the campaign. Uh, since I have and we have tonight uh, Mr. Combs, Caleb, would you like to start us off with the importance of message? Absolutely. And I'd say I'm Mr. Communication, maybe not Mr. Comms, but I'll take Mr. Communication certainly as a title. If you don't have a message, then uh, you don't necessarily have a campaign. You don't have a reason to knock on doors. You don't have a reason to stand up in front of a group of people at a breakfast on a Saturday morning and, and share what you have to say. Your message is what's most important. Message is pretty much the epicenter of every single campaign or education initiative, whatever it might be. Um, I, I think a different examples of a strong message. Early 2010, that's when we were in the midst of the debates over the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. And as we know, Obamacare passed both the House Senate, signed by President Barack Obama. Even several years later, there was the opportunity to overturn Obamacare, and John McCain famously put his thumbs down. Uh, but the original message behind it was brilliant. And it utilized human action model of creating that sense of unease. We heard a bunch of people say, oh, my goodness, people are going to die. Children are going to die. People do not have access to affordable and good quality health care. That's the sense of unease. That's what tugs on people's heartstrings. When people hear individual stories about folks not having accessible health care and affordable health care, that immediately leads and draws people into the conversation. Then the vision of the better state is, oh, a place where everybody has affordable health care, where everybody gets to see the doctor that they want to see, to, to keep or have the health plan that they want to have path to get there. It's call your congressman, call your senator right now and say, we want to support this endeavor. We want to support this bill. Again, sense of unease, vision of a better state, path to get there. All of that was done beautifully by Democrats in terms of supporting and getting Obamacare through Congress so it could be signed by President Obama. 
we see it time and time again. You can look at any Geico ad, for instance. A Geico ad utilizes strong messaging with the human action model, uh, you know, sense of unease. You, you could be saving 10% or more on your car insurance. That creates a huge sense of unease for me as a father. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm wasting 10 to 15% of my money uh, by buying the wrong car insurance. Then vision of a better state by switching to Geico. The path to get there, call your Geico agent today. So whether you're selling car insurance or you're trying to sell the Affordable Care Act, the message is absolutely crucial. It has to be a message that is tangible for your everyday citizen, your, your average Joe. And that's why tugging on the heartstrings is so important. And that sense of unease is, is so important to create uh, in terms of, of forming a message. I, I cannot agree more. I think the most successful message is whether you're for or against it, depending on which side of the aisle you're on, you still have to give credit where credit is due. And, and that's exactly right. It's reaching those individuals right in the heart, right? Identifying with them. That individual who's sitting in the couch watching television also goes, yeah, you know, that 10% can make a difference, right? Or whatever it is. And I think as you go along in grassroots, the, the, this pillar of message is so important. It, 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 it's, it's, you have to really dig into it um, and to find out how can you really reach people. And also at, at a ground level, uh, if your message is too over the top, you know, too many figures, too many charts, too many this and that, right? The concept of if this this if this um, legislation goes by, we're going to lose the country, okay? But how does it affect me sitting in my house in Lexington County, you know, watching the TV show? And I think that's where the dynamics of messaging is where you have to identify that message to that individual who's there every day. How does it affect him or her, right? Or me, right? Or if I'm saying a message, how does that affect me? And if it doesn't affect me personally, how does it affect my family around me? And if it doesn't affect my family, my neighborhood, right? And so on. And you move out, you move out of that circle. Instead of closing the circle, you're moving the circle out. And I think that's where the best messages are overall, when people can relate certain things that identify to their community. So depending on the campaign or the mission you're doing, <clears throat> you have to identify how does this message, how can we reach this particular uh, group of individuals with this message? Uh, yeah. I, I know I know everybody wants to be intellectual, right? I mean, that, that's, we all want to sound smart. But at the end of the day, you and I know that the most that the best speeches or the best messages have been the simplest. And uh, I'm. I grew up with with Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan was called a communicator. And I got to tell you, when I go back and listen to his speeches, just to listen to him, the, the, stay away from the politics. The way he identifies to that audience at that time was incredible. I mean, it was like you would sit there and really listen to him. And then a modern age for me, because I, I I also you know want to give credit to everybody, is Bill Clinton. I think Bill Clinton was a great uh, messenger and with great message and he had that ability to connect with you you know like i feel your pain ah. <laughs> right and so uh i, I think the combination and, and we, we just kind of started to the other pillar which is the messenger it's a combination you got to have the right message right structured properly and then you got to have the right messenger because how many times have we seen individuals who have a great message but the messenger is like, oh, yeah, you, you almost had me. You know, you're like, 
Um, I, I can't I can't come full circle with him or her. But at the same time, we've also had great individuals with messages, but really like bad messages. So I think in, in communications, when it comes to grassroots, it's that balance. Now, if you're working on an issue, your messenger is going to be different. It's always going to be your media. It's going to be your direct mail, your radio, your your yard signs, you know, all that, that stuff. But if you're doing an actual uh, campaign with individuals, I think it's important that you take a look at, hey, it's not just the message, but the messenger. Yes, the messenger is important. And you hit a home run earlier when you were talking about relating to people. That's the whole point is sharing your message with individual voters, the average Joes of the world. And yeah, we do want to be intellectuals. We want to be able to demonstrate, hey, I memorized all of these numbers, these percentages, these facts and these figures. But that's not what your average person cares about. Your average person wants to hear a story. They want to hear what is your why. Simon Sinek's golden circle is beautiful. If you have not Googled or YouTube Simon Sinek, do it. Please do it. And especially on his golden circle. People don't care what you do. They don't care how you do it. They care why you do it. And that why is the epicenter of your story. It's the epicenter of your message. And that is what is going to lead people to creating a relationship with you, with your campaign, and with your overall agenda. So, yes, I want to sound smart. However, all those numbers that I've memorized, that's those aren't my talking points. Those are there to support and justify my talking points. My why and my story, that should be the epicenter of my message. And again, going to tugging on the heart strings like we've been talking about. You know, if I if I turned on it, how about this? I love animals. I worked at a humane society while I was in college. And Carlos, if you wrote down on a piece of paper every single stray cat and stray dog that died in America last year, I mean, I I might be sad about it, but I wouldn't do anything about it. However, when I turn on my television in my office and I hear In the Arms of the Angel by Sarah McLaughlin and I see the shivering chihuahua behind a steel cage, they're going to get my quarter a day because visualizing that is a message that tugs on the heartstring. And that is what is so impactful about a story. A successful story in your message provides cues, just like you know, we cue into a conversation every single day. Those cues will build over time trust, and they will also build relationships. And that's what's needed when you're spreading your message, is you need to have a defined, trusted relationship with different people, whether you're selling a product or whether you're selling a campaign and asking for their votes. But at the essence of all of it is the message. So again, what is your why? Spread your why, not the what, not the how. Spread why you're running for office. Spread why you're supporting or opposing a certain initiative on the ballot. And then also keep in mind that human action model with Ludwig von Mises, that sense of unease, vision of a better state, path to get there. And the path to get there is just as important is that sense of unease because the path to get there is the call to action. That's vote for me, visit this website, 
sign the petition, buy my product, whatever it might be. So keep in mind, in your message, human action model, sense of unease, vision of a better state, path to get there, and also starting with your why to share a story. And you need people to share that message. That's where the messenger comes into play. So Carlos, what do you got on messenger? The messenger is so important, just as important as the message like you've been talking earlier. And we kind of dabbled to that a little bit uh, a few minutes ago. And to me, from the grassroots perspective, the messenger has to have a certain type of appeal, right? I mean, you have to be able to identify with the individuals that are in your community. Um, kind of like if you're if you're a messenger and you show up to to a banquet in shorts and t-shirts, that's probably not going to be to you know accept it and, and also on the other side if you're a messenger and you are knocking on doors and you show up in a suit and tie it, it's just going to be a little bit different so it's important that the messenger not only has their why and why they're doing it but also has a significant way of identifying with the individuals that they're trying to reach um and we touched a little bit about uh ronald reagan and also bill clinton to me, two individuals in total different messengers, right? Different messages, but had an ability to bring that message through their them as a messenger and people identified. I think that was, to me, that from over the years that I've seen, that was really their big success. It's mixing properly that balance. Would, would you say that, Caleb? Yeah, and Carlos, I I may not have been alive during the Reagan years, and I may I may have been too young during the Clinton years. My apologies to to you and your wisdom. Um, however, identifying with voters and identifying with individuals is what's key for the messenger. We were talking about earlier. Cues can build trust and relationships. Your biggest cue ultimately is going to be the messenger. Who is that who's standing up in front of the group at that Saturday breakfast? Who's knocking at your door? Who's asking for your vote? You know, you and I, on several different occasions, we were knocking on doors uh, in Florida, specifically Miami-Dade, and we were pitching immigration reform, comprehensive immigration reform. And, um, you know, in that setting, I was one of like 50 people. So, yeah, it's perfectly fine for me to go out and knock on doors. However, if it were us choosing between you and myself, you, uh, an immigrant to the country uh, from an immigrant family, and me, the vanilla guy from the suburbs in South Carolina, obviously you're going to be the better messenger there, not just because of your familial experience and your experience in immigrating to this country, but also when I'm knocking on doors in Miami-Dade, I... I might be lucky if half of the people who actually answer their doors, keep that in mind, not that many folks answer their doors, but the ones who do, only half of them I was actually able to have conversations with because Spanish-speaking households are so prevalent in, in South Florida, and there were so many missed opportunities because I may have not been the ideal messenger. Now, we were a group of 30, 40, 50 people in those days, we were knocking on doors. So certainly I was able to make uh, some type of headway in terms of having conversations with voters. But if we are looking between Caleb and Carlos, 
in terms of knocking on doors in South Florida for immigration reform, I am probably not the ideal messenger. Doesn't mean I can't do it. I absolutely, I, and I did it. I'm happy to knock. I've knocked on hundreds of doors in South Florida trying to talk about immigration reform. But as the vanilla dude from the suburbs of South Carolina, my uh, message might have been uh, muted a little bit because I'm not the strongest messenger like you might have been, Carlos. So messaging comes into play in multiple forms in the practical sense of do I speak Spanish and can I converse with these individuals in terms of uh, their voting, but also in terms of my experience is so different from yours. My experience is very different from from folks that answered the door when I was knocking on their door in Miami. My Our why might be the same, but outside of that, the experiences might be a little bit different. And that's why the messenger is so incredibly important. And, and the messenger at the end is going to be somewhat of a representation of that area. Now, we're talking on a on a on a county commission level on a, on a, uh, a house senate uh, house seat or, or, or in state senate uh, city council and so on it's important that that individual has a connection with their constituents and it could be um ethnically it could be language you know it could be many things it could be blue collar area right uh depending and, and that's why the representation is what it is because people identify with those candidates for a certain reason. And those candidates represent, we would, we would want to believe that they represent their community at that particular point. And when you have a candidate that people can easily identify, then the message can also be a lot more identifiable because if they okay. can relate to you as a person quickly, then your message and your why is even more relatable and it's more impactful because now um, yes, if we're in, 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 in Little Havana area and I'm talking to individuals in Spanish and explaining them a little bit about my, my, my history and my, who I am, yes, that message is going to resonate probably a little bit stronger uh, with those individuals who are behind the door, those, those potential voters. Um, and, and that's what it is. It, you have to have that. Now, obviously, in messaging, there's, there's numerous things. There's, there's television ads. There's uh, direct mail. There's radio um, then you have a whole campaign when it comes to yard signs. That's a whole different story when it comes to campaigning. Um, but it is so important that people understand that you want to have a, 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 a messenger that relates to you quickly, or you relate to them through their stories, as well as the message. So those two are crucial and important, uh, two of the four pillars for a successful grassroots campaign. Absolutely, absolutely. This is the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network. Today, we are talking about the four pillars of a successful grassroots campaign. We've already been through message, the importance of tugging on the heartstrings of individuals and letting them know exactly what we want to accomplish. We focused on messenger, the person who's knocking at your door, the person you see on the political advertisement on your screen at home, I would argue the next is probably the most important. That third pillar is organization. What does organization actually mean, Carlos? Well, there's numerous definitions, but in this particular context, the organization means the individuals who are willing to come out and help you, <clears throat> right? Those volunteers. And it's not just 
your family and friends because they love you and they'll come out for you or they'll support the cause. I think it is a crucial and so important that if you are going to do a local campaign, that is one of the intricate pillars. You need to come out and start thinking, okay, how do we, I'm going to have to build a, a, a game plan. And within that game plan, who's going to help me implement? Look, you and I may be some of the best strategists for basketball and football, right? Right. And we could be great coaches, right? We got a great place, but we got to go out and recruit players, right? That can help us execute that vision to win. Um, and those plays that's going to be needed. And the organization and the grassroots is vital. You got to have individuals that, you know, come out and, and knock doors for you, you know, sacrifice a little bit of their time. They, they, they give you the time. They come out and help you phone banks. Um, they're willing to, to be maybe a surrogate speaker for you or for the issue uh, and in various clubs and organizations that are, that are out there in your local towns and, and, and cities. It is so crucial that if you lose focus of that and you think you can rely simply on the financial part of it, say, no, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, cover the city or the County with yard signs and, 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 and direct mail and TV ads and radio ads. Yeah, that's helpful. But the most important part is, once again, we talked about message identification. And if you have somebody at the door that tells you them their why, why am I campaigning for Caleb Stokes, right? Or why am I here to talk about an issue that's important to me as such as the blah, blah, blah issue, you know? That is so relatable to individuals. And that's the, one of the important parts is that you want to grab that ground game. Who's going to make those phone calls, right? Um, who's going to go out there and rally people for you? And as not just rally, but also recruit for you. We talk about grassroots, the secret, and we said it, you know, in our last pod, uh, podcast, in our last episode, part of this is you have to multiply yourself. So if you want to be a real successful uh, in campaigns in the grassroots, you as a candidate or the issue has to find a way of multiplying itself organically. And that takes time. It takes planification. And, it is so different, the reaction when you actually see somebody knocking on doors and they come to your door. You and I have done this thousands of times. And when you knock on the door and they open and you tell them why you're there and who you are and why you're there, there is a reaction. It's like, wow, this individual really believes in this. They may not agree with us totally. Okay, I, I get that, you know. But they at least will respect you. They say, hey, this person is willing to give up some of their time to come talk to me or try to persuade me. Because once again, we're in the business of persuasion, not conversion. And persuade me to maybe, you know, see it differently and turn those no's into votes, just like Jonathan says. And that's one of the key ingredients. Finding that organization, taking the time, finding leaders that are going to help you organize these individuals. Um, I can't stress more. Uh, events. Someone's going to help you set up those events. Someone's going to give you ideas. Someone's going to give you the ability to go talk in front of other groups and organizations. So the ground game is very important, especially in the local campaigns. Money's limited. It's important and limited. And I have seen some campaigns that have not had a whole lot of money, but had an incredible organization. And yeah, it was David beating Goliath uh, right here in my hometown, in my, in my county here locally. We'll talk about that in uh, another segment. But it is so important that people realize that it's that human value that it's needed in a campaign. You can't win by yourself and you, you, you can't do it through direct mail and you got to have individuals, but you as a candidate or you as a believer in that, in, in, in that issue, 
You have to transmit that passion and why it's important. And once again, you have to be in thinking in the business of, hey, we're going to, we want to persuade individuals, not convert. If you're running for elected office, if you're supporting or opposing a referendum, if you're pursuing an education campaign, it does not matter. If you don't have a strong organization, you will fail. Here's a great example of this. I was in Greensboro, North Carolina in 2015, well, way long ago, and I was given a presentation on storytelling, and I had a gentleman who was coming up. It was about a week before a special election for city council in Greensboro, North Carolina. He's running for city council, this open seat, and this guy is so eloquent. He, his, his story was very powerful. He had a strong message. Uh, he was the ultimate messenger. I'm talking about smooth. Like this guy, you, you were mentioning Bill Clinton earlier and getting to the why and getting to how to actually spread the message as a successful messenger. That was this guy. And his wife was even better. She was a phenomenal storyteller. So I asked him, I said, okay, we're, we're a week or so away from the election. How are you guys feeling? We feel great. We've knocked on every single door uh, in, in the district, and we talked to every single potential constituent that we could. And I was like, that sounds fantastic. So um, when you say you knocked on every door, did you, did you knock on every door or just the, the voters for your party or the registered voters? They said, oh, no, 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 we didn't need... We didn't need any voting rolls. We're good. We knocked on every single door because we wanted people to know that we are going to represent them. And that's fantastic, right? I mean, it's wonderful that they had conversations with as many people as possible. However, that demonstrates there was no organization. They wasted so much time and resources knocking on people's doors who weren't even registered to vote. This isn't a get out the vote campaign. It's not go register voting matters or whatever it is MTV does. This is a true campaign for city council. And I'm just going to say this right now. If you're running for, for elected office, go to your secretary of state immediately. They make taxpaying dollar salaries for a reason. And that's to provide you with minimal things like voting rolls. That demonstrates who in your area, who on your street, is actually registered to vote. Because yes, if Mr. Johnson across the street is really passionate about what's going on, I might want to have a conversation with him. But if Mr. Johnson is not registered to vote and I'm running for Greensboro City Council, I'm not going to waste my time knocking on Mr. Johnson's door. And this guy was self-funded too. He had all the finances. He had everything. Well, I said, okay, this is great. You're able to knock on every single door in your constituency um who was able to help you oh it was just it was just me it was my wife it was us together and we did it i mean power to you if you're able to accomplish that i don't know how long it took you but i'll tell you this much again it took a lot of time and resources of you the key messenger carrying the key message it took you away from fundraising it took you away from seeking important endorsements for your campaign to bring in legitimacy, all because you had this desire to knock on every single door in your constituency. Yes, you want to knock and have a conversation with every single registered voter. 
However, it doesn't mean it has to be just you and it has to be just your wife. That's where recruiting people comes into play. Having those volunteers and the people who want to invest in your campaign. And I think a lot of it, unfortunately, stemmed from the fact that he was in a position where he could self-fund. And if and we're going to talk about finances in a, in a bit. If you're in a position to self-fund, God bless you. Go yeah, for yeah. it. But it doesn't mean that you need to exclude other people from being involved in your campaign. In fact, you always want to include as many people as possible. Um, he won. It was an open field. Uh, he won 8%. 8% of the vote. He knocked on, his claim was he and his wife knocked on every single door in that city council district. They had great conversations. And I can tell you, he is a smooth guy, a genuine guy. Um, however, he got 8% of the vote in an open election because he he didn't really have any organization there. And, and also part of the organizations, when you have individuals that are believe in you, right, or your cause, and they identify with that voter behind the door and simply say, hey, I'm so and so. I live down the street or I went to the local high school or, you know, I, I, whatever the case may be, that identifies and brings that together. And, and it's absolutely part of the game plan of the organization. It's not just the people, but it's also the grassroots strategy. And a lot of times they miss the ball because a lot of times when they when some of these campaigns are very well financed, they just don't want to deal with it. They're like, oh, I don't need to go knock on doors or, yeah, we got enough this or the all the polls say. We know there's been a, several campaigns throughout the years where the polling was totally off. OK, I don't have to even go there. And there's numerous campaigns where they might not have been as, as well financed. But they had a good message, a good messenger, and they had a real organization because that organization becomes your multiplication. They're your advocates at the door where you can't be at a thousand doors, but you can have 200 people be at a thousand doors or plus. Right. And that's where also the game plan has to come out early. If you're going to really have a good, strong organization, you have got to start early to recruit these individuals. And bring them into your camp. Because if you think you're going to win an election with grassroots, you know, uh, volunteers with three months to go, I don't I don't think the odds are in your favor. Because with early voting and other things that are happening throughout every state, there's there's a vast amount of votes that get casted before you even have a chance to go knock on the door. Now, that's, a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times right? you need to knock on the door more than once. And guess what? That means it's going to take more than just mm -hmm. you and your wife to do it. Like you're going to have to, and you know what? People are so scared to ask their friends and families when they run for public office, ask your friends and families, not just ask them, them begin with mm -hmm. them, whether you're asking for a $50, $100 donation, or if it's just, Hey, I need you on Saturday. And then figuring out where to best plug them in because Carlos, as you know, not everyone is totally suited to go out and just knock on doors. Other people have different avenues that they can utilize in order to support your campaign. And, and, and going back to, to recruiting individuals and knocking on doors, part of that strategy is so crucial because sometimes a lot of candidates miss the mark on whose door are they knocking. A lot of times they get very partisan and don't want to go outside that bubble and they leave a vast number of uh, active 
voters that are maybe independent or non non party, uh, and they don't go knock on those doors. They take it for granted. Yeah, I'll stay in my base, which is fine. But as a general election goes, or in open primaries, if you're working in a state or where there's open primaries, hey, you know, you got a whole different camp of individuals. You maybe need to really consider in, in reaching out. And by the way, if, if that's where you need to find your volunteers, a group of volunteers say, hey, we're going to take this group. Okay. You guys can stay with your partisan group or party. We're going to take these independents or these non-parties, especially the frequent voters, because in primaries, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, you know, high voter turnout, people who have been to the to the polls, you know, just about every primary. And yeah. anyway, and that's part of the planning. Of course, many have consultants and so on and so forth. But I will encourage anybody who may not have the luxury of having con uh, consultants at a certain high level. Um, really consider that and consider that early as well. And make sure that you, your message is clear, concise, not just with what you're saying, but what's on paper when you're dropping that off at the door. Because you're not going to be able to have a, a conversation with everybody. People will be probably working or they're out you know, getting groceries or going out to eat. But it's important. But I think to me, not just a candidate knocking on my door, but maybe a neighbor who lives down the street or identifies with me locally and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm Carlos Militar. And I'm, you know, I, I, I live down the street or I'm, I'm, you know, a couple blocks down, or I've been living in the city for 29 years. And I think this individual, or this, this is a cause that I think is important that I would hope you consider it. It, it can't play because when you look at the numbers and nobody knocks on your door and you're not sure about two people or two issues, you might go with the issue of the person to say, at least somebody came and knocked on my door, especially in this digital number, you know, type of world that we're living. We're all just a number. But that personal interaction and that connection, it is absolutely crucial. And it, it, like I said, it does make a difference. It does. And make like a you difference. said. It goes back to messenger as well. Messenger and message. It's all part of organization still. Good friend of the family was running for state rep in Nevada, running as a Democrat. And she, you know, was taking a look at all of her different volunteers and how she could utilize them best, especially in terms of canvassing. And, you know, the people that regularly voted in Democratic primaries, obviously she was going to send her core supporters, her core base to knock on those doors. But folks that were registered as independent or even people that had voted predominantly in Republican parties, she said, okay, my aunt, my cousin, and my best friend are all Republicans, and they're supporting me, a Democrat. So who's the best messenger to knock on their door? Is it someone from her base, or is it her Republican mm -hmm. aunt, her cousin, or her best friend? And so she chose, hey, you know what? We're going with my best friend, who's a Republican, to knock on a Republican's door. That demonstrates that there's a strong messenger and an appropriate messenger to push forward the message, and also that there's strong organization and things aren't just kind of done at a whim and we're throwing uh, the kitchen sink against the wall to see what sticks. No, uh, we are actually being strategic and purposeful in mm -hmm. terms of how we're knocking on doors and getting the message out. Hey, can I jump and, in for a second? Absolutely, because we're actually, Jonathan, the next topic is... is uh finances in in and <laughs> you know getting donations and and 
Thank you. Please jump right in, Jonathan. Well, real quick, you know, when it comes to manpower, as you were saying, you know, one of the the easy kind of ways that I break it down for a candidate is, uh, you know, I get one of those kind of yellow leaf ledgers, uh, you know, notebooks, notepads, you know, that are probably about 40 lines long. Um, and, and I, and I kind of break that up into, you know, three categories, you know, and I say, okay, you know, in one column, um, you know, uh, make a list of all the people that will vote for you. Uh, in another column, make a list of all the people that will volunteer for you. And in another, and in another column, make a list of everybody who will give you money. And if you can't fill that ledger, you're not ready to run for office. Uh, because especially when it comes to the manpower, which is what we were talking about, um, if you don't have the team backing you out there to get the word out about your campaign, uh, again, you're, you're dead in the water. Uh, because to Caleb's point, uh, you absolutely need to touch those doors more than once. Um, and, and especially if it's your first time running, um, you can go from a single digit name ID, you know, to double digit name ID and win a race. Um, but again, you need to have the manpower to do that. Um, and, uh, and again, as Caleb was also saying in his example, knocking every door is maybe the worst strategy that you can employ. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where the, the grassroots strategy comes in. Exactly. What is the issue? Who are the individuals? Are you dealing about a, uh, are you involved in a primary? Is the primary open uh, as well as in the general? You know, of course, in the general, it's uh, it's every, everyone for themselves. You can yeah. anybody can vote for you. Yeah. And that's I think that's crucial in the grassroots world that people miss don't really realize the importance of having that grassroots support those that army of individuals that are going to represent you in various areas uh for example if if you know you're going to knock on doors well not everybody in south florida knocks on doors uh but you can persuade them to maybe be a driver right or to be a phone banker or or or, or to have you give you you know ideas of where to go uh or as as jonathan was on contribute money um finances are very important because at the end you've got to get your message out and in today's technology world with uh, social media and television and radio it, it's crucial that you you do work hard as well and like jonathan stated if you can't fill out that ledger with all those three things then you're probably not ready so running for office as much as sometimes we all want to just jump out and go yeah i feel like i'm running i should run you really need to think about it because it it's 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 difficult uh it's not easy and there's a lot of variables in, in, like I said, we're talking about these four pillars. It is so important. And we've left the finance a little bit towards the end, not because it's not important. It's because it's also a very crucial part. And people tend to, to, to sometimes not really pay that, that importance to it. Believe it or not, I mean, there are people who just, you know, hey, I know I need money, but they don't know how to recruit money. Well, and we've how to bring all it seen in. that perfect candidate looks the part. Everybody loves them, as Caleb was just saying. You know, they they checked off just about all the boxes and still lose. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it, again, you you got to have all your ducks in a row. No, absolutely. And going and, and Caleb, we've been talking about this topic for a week now, and he brings up a great point. The investment, even though we talk about financially. Uh, that people are contributing money to your election or to your cause. It's also their time. Every volunteer hour, I think, is tag, uh, tagged at about 23 to $24 an hour. 
So if you think about that, if you have individuals who are volunteering for you, that's how much you're contributing to your campaign per hour. And it's important that that's also recognized and appreciated. Um, and there's so many uh, more aspects uh, when it comes to finances. Uh, it just, it, it, you, you have to do it. Right, Caleb? I mean. Agreed entirely. So this is the fourth pillar and the four pillars of a successful grassroots campaign. This is the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network. So we touched on message, messenger, the importance of having organization, and here we are at finances, which to a lot of people, this feels like the the sticky stuff, like we're we're uncomfortable right now asking folks for money. You should not be uncomfortable asking folks for money. If you can ask people for their time, I promise you, it's far easier to ask them or ask others for their money. Uh, you know, the first problem that usually comes up when people are running specifically for local office, they always say, oh, well, I don't know how much money I need to raise. Okay, well, there are a couple of things you could do. One, you can go online and simply Google, how much do I need to raise to run for state representative in Mississippi? And it will it will give you a list, including of your current district, how much money the incumbent or previously or, yeah. or candidates who have previously run actually raised. Another great way, if you're running for city council and that information isn't online, go ask people who ran last cycle or the cycle before. How much money did you bring in? How much more do you wish you had? And then figure out a list of your supporters people who can give you either time or money and just go to them and say, can I have your time? Can I have your money? Can I have both? And, you know, certain levels of donations politically have to be made public. Yeah. Look at the people who've donated to causes and campaigns similar to yours. Find out what their, you know, pet issue might be. If this is someone who's dedicated to educational choice, and I know I agree with them on that. What topic am I going to touch on in our meeting? Educational choice. So in the same way you're asking for someone to knock on doors for you on a Saturday, you should be even more comfortable asking someone for a $1,000 check because chances are that $1,000 check is much more easily come by than two Saturdays from another individual. Great conversation, Caleb. Let everybody know where they could reach us. Oh, well, you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. This is the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network. Uh, I am Mr. Communication, Caleb Stokes. Yeah, you can even tell those creepy home devices that are listening to everything you say. You can even tell them to play uh, the Yard Sign. And, uh, and uh, the latest episode uh, on the network will come up. And we could be reached at via email. That's the grassroots chronicles at outlook.com. I didn't know Outlook. we were plugging the email today, <laughs> but you know, as we wrap up, I will say this too, in terms of getting a message out, Nikki Haley right now is making a crucial mistake. Uh, so for folks that don't realize the next sponsored Republican debate is January the 10th, Drake university in Des Moines, Iowa. And right now, only three candidates qualify to attend. President Trump, who already said he's not going to be there, Governor Ron DeSantis, and Governor slash Ambassador Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley is saying she will not attend. It makes no sense. 
It makes no sense for her to even flirt with this idea. Uh, If she's not there, it will be a town hall for Ron DeSantis. He will control the narrative. He will attack her. It's everything that Donald Trump wants. So if I'm advising Nikki Haley as Mr. Communication, I advise attend and participate. And I'm done. <laughs> Just, uh, uh, well, and, and, and honestly, that's why I told a lot of people that the uh, CNN debate between Newsom and DeSantis, that's just a 28 preview. Um, you know, that was free marketing <laughs> there for, for DeSantis. Um, but uh, on a separate note, if anybody wants to see uh, these beautiful faces, uh, uh, you can also join us on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for the yard sign. Awesome. Yard- Grassroots Chronicles, Yard Sign Network. Mr. Grassroots signing off. Mr. Communication. See you later.